Welcome back to America Speaks. It's harder to find a more passionate advocate for Latino issues in America than Border Angels founder Enrique Morones. Enrique is a distinguished scholar and has had a prominent career as the Vice President of Latino and International Marketing for San Diego's professional baseball team, the Padres. In 1986, after a meeting with Ethel Kennedy, Enrique Morones founded human rights organization Border Angels, an all-volunteer organization that advocates for human rights, human immigration reform, and social justice with a special focus on those issues related to Latino issues on the U.S.-Mexican border. Border Angel's core focus is education and advocacy regarding migration and border issues, migrant outreach to prevent harm, mainly through water drops in the desert, as well as distributing food and hygiene products to migrant day laborers in the San Diego region. Border Angels works to dispel the various myths surrounding immigration in the United States and to bring back truth and justice. It is my pleasure today to welcome you, Enrique, to America Speaks. Well, Tisha, thank you very much for inviting me. And uh, without a doubt, the situation at the U.S.-Mexican border is getting worse as far as the U.S. policies and the U.S. militarization. The desperation continues to be the same as far as people crossing borders all over the world. But it seems like everybody's focused on the U.S.-Mexican border because of that madman at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue spreading all the fake news and all the lies and, and painting people as criminals and, and rapists and animals. And that's not what this world is all about. So I'm delighted to be with you, one of my heroes. Well, you know, you and I have known each other a long time now, over 10 years. I remember when we first met as Obama was nominated for president in Denver, and you had just been interviewed by Al Jazeera, and you were hopeful. There were. I think there was a lot of progress made on many fronts. As you know, President Obama had many challenges when he became president, and I uh, spoke to him several times, and one thing he thought for sure, as I did, was that he would have the Democrats in Congress at least for four years, at least the first term. Of course, that didn't happen. He only had them for the first two years, and he had to handle the financial crisis, the war in Iraq, the health issue, the automobile industry. He was anticipating to do immigration reform probably the third year. Of course, we all wish he would have done it the first year. And as soon as the Republicans took over Congress in the third year, there was no hope for any of those things happening. It's like, I'm still filled with hope in spite of the madman that's at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And the reason I'm still filled with hope is because of people like David Hogg at Parkland, Florida, the young man that came out and spoke about the horrors of a school shooting, along with uh, three other student leaders and others that have done so since. I cannot believe how articulate and prepared these high school students are. I'm very impressed by them. I'm sorry for their circumstance. The same goes with the Dreamers and the DACA recipients. Their leadership is unbelievable, and I look to them for the lead, so I do have hope. This really speaks to where my journey has concluded with this book I have created in the past 18 years, because I chose to end with the passing of the baton to the next generation. It's so interesting you bring that up. The one thing I note is that you're dealing with a crisis of humanity every single day. So let's start to discuss 
the crisis that's going on right now with those that are being held captive at the border from the caravan that tried to come up. Can you explain to our audience exactly where we are with this crisis? Well, first of all, undocumented migration is something that's been going on since the beginning of recorded history. Same with caravans. People tend to travel in groups for safety. It's a universal human right to cross an international border if you're searching for work, if you're searching for your family, if you're escaping some sort of a violent situation like a civil war or an economic or, or environmental disaster, etc. Those are universal human rights. So this particular caravan that got a lot of attention because somehow talking about racism and tyrants, Donald Trump saw this caravan on Fox News and the Fox News, of course, people are always promoting a lot of lies and deception. And they talked about these people in a caravan as if they were terrorists, members of MS-13, which was a gang that was formed in the United States because of the Reagan policies when he was interfering in Central America. And he got involved in the civil wars. People fled the violence and went to Los Angeles. And some of the people started these gangs. This particular caravan is called Via Cruces. And it's done uh, during uh, Holy Week, during Easter weeks. And what it is, is a group of Central Americans, last year predominantly from El Salvador, this year predominantly from Honduras, but also migrants from Guatemala and surrounding countries, that gathered together on the southern border of Mexico with Guatemala. And they worked their way up to the northern border. In the last couple of years, it's been to Tijuana-San Diego border, the busiest border crossing in the world. I'm seeking asylum which is a universal right. It's something that the world has. People cross international borders all over the world. Uh, there's 250 million undocumented people in the world today, of which 239 million are in other parts of the world. So the ones that came during Holy Week, during the Easter holidays, their whole intent was to go to Mexico City, to go to Puebla, to go to different parts of Mexico for these forums and know your rights type sessions, looking for missing family members. And a lot of them settled in Mexico, and about 200 of them came up to the Tijuana-San Diego border. And eventually, they were allowed into the facility. Sadly, most of them will end up being sent back to predominantly Honduras. So what happens is there's not enough asylum judges and attorneys and so forth, even though people knew they were coming. And you and I might have the exact same story. You and I might have had the exact same circumstance. And you get asylum, yet I don't. It's a biased system. Very biased, very biased. I want to really reflect on the fact that every one of the crises that are out of control in Central America are because of policies we created in the United States. Isn't that true? It's very true. That's something that a lot of people don't realize. And the U.S. government doesn't want you to realize that. The education yeah. system doesn't talk about that. You know, Martin Sheen pointed that out in our first episode. There is not a single nation in this hemisphere whose citizens have come here that was not interfered with militarily, economically, culturally in their countries. But we have destroyed their cultures. We have robbed them of their resources. We have destroyed their political systems and installed horrible dictators, military coups and so forth. From, from the tip of the South America all the way to the Texas and California border. There is not a single country that the present immigrants have flowed from that those people were not personally and directly affected 
by our illegal, immoral interference in their sovereign countries over the last 200 years. There's a great movie that was based on a book called Harvest of Empire by Juan Gonzalez, who's Amy Goodman's uh, sidekick. And Juan put this movie together, Harvest of Empire, and it talks about that. How the United States has gone into Panama and Cuba and, and Nicaragua and, and other parts of Central America and planted this harvest for their own benefit, the United States' own benefit. And these civil wars, we all remember Iran-Contra and Oliver North and the drug trade for arms and all that. Well, that causes a very difficult situation in Central America where people have to flee because of the U.S. intervention in those countries. And the U.S., instead of welcoming these people and giving them sanctuary, uh, closes its doors. The U.S. is by far not the most welcoming country. The reality of this caravan and what has taken place, the U.S. officials are threatening the parents that they're going to be separated from their children. There is children that are actually separated now that are lost in the system. So when we bring this topic up, this is now a talking point on all of the major media. So far, I have not heard one element of solution. There is no solution. There is outrage. There should be greater outrage. But can you explain to our audience exactly how are we as the United States of America supporting a policy to separate children even as young as 52 weeks old and also then explain how 1,400 of these children are lost in the system? Well, the thing is that they don't want you to know about it. So they lie about it. They say uh, they're not lost. It's the fact that the people that are taking care of the children aren't checking in to their court dates or giving reports. There's isolated cases like that, but in most cases, they are actually lost. The U.S. has done a terrible job in taking care of these children. Enrique, you are devoted to families and children, which leads me to bring up the remarkable event you created at the Door of Hope. I had the privilege on November 18th of photographing this extraordinary event at the Door of Hope, which I titled for my series, Three Minutes Aloud. But I want to identify the fact that there were 12 families that were chosen by immigration and yourself and your organization through a very healthy or so-called healthy vetting process. And what was remarkable to me is that there were only 12 families chosen. And for our audience to understand what we are discussing, this is an event that Border Angels and Enrique specifically created with Border Patrol, where families that had been separated due to deportation and because of our policies, etc., were permitted to reunite for solely three minutes. And now there is no news as to whether this will ever happen again under the present administration at the U.S.-Mexican border at San Diego. Well, first of all, we've been doing this since 2013. There's been six events. And the first time that we did it was April of 2013. And we have been dealing with events at Friendship Park for decades. Friendship Park was opened by First Lady Pat Nixon back in 1971. There was no wall. And she made a famous statement as the First Lady, may there never be a wall between these two great countries. And she reaches over and shakes people's hands. And she asked the Secret Service to cut the wires. There was just wires there between the two countries. So she could go over and talk to people. And that's what happened. 
Well, this fast track to 1994, the Republican Congress wanted to build a wall. And it was called Operation Gatekeeper. And the president was President Bill Clinton. Remember, it's the Congress that controlled a lot of these things. And the Republican Congress wanted to do this. President Clinton signed the bill. And they started building a wall between the United States and Mexico. That is not what we need here on this border. No. I don't know anybody who doesn't want secure borders. But you want to have intelligent, humane borders. Absolutely. 11,000 people have died because of that wall. We in the United States have always prided ourselves on being a nation who stands for freedom and for human rights. With the immoral acts of separating children from their families at the border, this new heinous policy of the Trump administration, we are witnessing our lowest hour. If we do not coalesce behind decency and demand an immediate end to these unthinkable family separations, we then must all accept the responsibility of the harm that we are doing to these innocent children. It is no longer a question of moral disgrace. It is a crime against humanity to take young children away from their parents. I support the United Nations call to label this a crime against humanity. I want to thank you, Enrique, for an inspired and compelling discussion today, and I invite all of you to return for part two of our episode with Enrique Morones. If you have protested for anything in the past 18 years, you very well may be in my book, I Protest. Please go to my website, tishlampert.org, that's www.tishlampert.org, and see if you can find yourself in my book. You can also follow me on Twitter, at tishlampertcom, that's at T-I-S-H-L-A-M-P-E-R-T-C-O-M. And find me on Instagram, T-I-S-H underscore L-A-M-P-E-R-T underscore O-R-G. And once again, I want to thank James Koblenz, Oscar Batista, Amy Kessler, and Kim Langbacker, without whom this episode would not be possible. And lastly, we would love to hear from you. Please write to us at americaspeakspodcast at gmail.com and tell us what you thought of today's episode and come back for our next episode of America Speaks. Remember, America Speaks believes every one of us has a story. And a voice. <laughs> <laughs>